Hi, I'm Michelle Fiordaliso, co-host of The When Is Now. I'm a writer and executive coach who started the movement The When Is Now as a way to help us live more fully in the present and find our purpose in a changing world. Today, I'll be talking to Celia Rose Gooding, Tony-nominated actress from the hit Broadway musical Jagged Little Pill, featuring the iconic music of Alanis Morissette. You might have seen Celia in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade recently. Celia, hello and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So great to have you here with us today. Tell us about the moment that you got the call about Jagged Little Pill. Oh, geez. Um, It was, I was still a senior in high school. I remember we were just getting out of some grade wide meeting about what I have no idea at this point. But I knew that that was the day that I was either going to get the call or I wasn't going to get a call ever. Um, And so my phone was like glued in my pocket, making sure that it was there. I had all of my ringers on. I just knew that today was the day where I got the phone call. Um, I didn't know whether it was going to be my agent or my mother calling me, but um, my phone starts ringing. Uh, I see it's my mom and I immediately sprint out of my building because I don't want any of my high school peers knowing like whether I got it or whether I didn't because my fear was like I wasn't going to get it. That was my fear. And so I didn't want them. I didn't want my high school peers around when I inevitably got rejected or so I thought. Um, I remember bursting out of the doors and the first thing my mom says when I pick up the phone, she doesn't even say hi. I don't even say hi. I think she just hears my labored breathing and <laughs> knows that I picked up the phone. Um, and she says, so what do you want your name to look like in the playbill? And I burst into tears. I still remember feeling like I was going to pass out. Like I was either going to like pass out or vomit or just something was going to happen. Uh, Cause my dream came true. Like I, I, it, that was the beginning of a long, uh, list of undeniable joys. And um, yeah, my best friend Kiani was there and she believed in me the entire time. There's a video and all you can hear is like me violently sobbing. And uh, my friend Kiani, like I told you, I knew it. Uh, You got to believe in yourself. Like she was just the most, the the best type of friend you can have in that situation. Um, And yeah, that was the beginning of a very long, very awesome process. But at that point, you didn't know that it was going to Broadway yet, right? So the way I, the way my contract was negotiated was that um, if I went to ART, I was going to go to Broadway. So that phone call um, was my mom saying like, how do you want your name to look like in the playbill? Broadway playbill, but that was also another way of her saying, yes, you're going to ART. Yes, you're doing that was like the big yes. Uh, so, um, I did ART that went well, did another workshop. It went well. And then Broadway and now Corona. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get to, we'll get to the pause in, in a little bit, but you mentioned your mom, uh, and, Uh, For listeners who don't know, uh, your mother is a uh, Tony-winning actress, LaShawns, and she's an amazing person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what was it like to grow up in the world of musical theater, and and how did that impact you? Uh, Yeah, some of... I 
grew up in green rooms and dressing rooms and backstage and in uh, understage and just like I grew up in the theater environment. Some of my favorite memories are visiting my mom when she's on tour for shows and getting to like travel when I was really young and seeing my mom in Atlanta and and um yeah I always had such an incredible support system in my mom. She at first didn't know if um the arts was going to be the thing for me. She always knew that I had a love for performing, a love for storytelling. I was always a more dramatic child than uh, my other friends. Um, but yeah, there was always a level of drama about me as a kid. And um, I think what really did it for me was watching her win her Tony and just seeing that joy on her face and realizing that like I wanted to do, I wanted to do something that gave me as much joy as I saw in my mother. And um, coincidentally enough, it was the same thing she was doing. Um, but yeah, she always uh, wanted me to be confident in myself and wanted me to be just really, really sure of myself and on my own team. And um, she knew that I was gonna be, she, she probably knew that I was gonna be performing on Broadway a lot sooner than I ever thought I would. Um, but yeah, she's the best support system. She is the best mentor, the best mother, the best momager. She's just, she is everything I need at a time like this, being this young, being this new, um, having someone so close to me who is so seasoned and so aware of the business, it just, it, I was really spoiled. I was very, very lucky to have um, the entire support system that I did in her and in all of her friends who are also doing the same thing and who are also award-winning um, actors and performers and creatives. And uh, yeah, I, I really lucked out. So, I mean, getting to Broadway so young is unusual and also being nominated for a Tony so young is very unusual. Can you tell us about the moment that you discovered you were nominated? Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't think I was going to get a nomination. I just want to start there. I was, I find myself often preparing myself for the worst uh, just because of, the way the world works. Um, but yeah, I wasn't expecting to get nominated. I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't even planning on watching the nominations, honestly, because I was so ready to be disappointed that I was like, you know what, I'll find out about who gets nominated on Twitter a few hours after the nominations. I know I'm not getting nominated, so I don't really have anything to worry about. Um, and then like 10 minutes before the nominations came out, I was like having the worst anxiety stomach ache. Um, and so I just went into my mom's room and I was like, let's just watch them. Let's just get this over with. And my mom being the incredible mother that she is, she was convinced that I was going to get nominated. And she was always saying like, Celia, there's a good chance you'll get nominated. And I'm like, no, it's my debut. I'm young. I, I don't have nearly as much training as my peers. I just, I, was again preparing myself for the worst. Um, and I remember my category comes up and I'm like, 
again, having that feeling of like, I'm either going to pass out or vomit or like any, I just, there was a lot of feeling happening. Uh, and Catherine, a co-star of mine, um, her name comes up and I'm freaking out. Cause I was like, Oh my God, yes. Hooray for Catherine. And then I see like C E L and I kind of black out a little bit. Um, I remember seeing CEL, like hearing the beginning of what sounds like my name and like running into the closet. My mom has a giant walk-in closet. It's like the size of my room practically. Um, and so I remember just like running away from the TV, curling into ball and like, just kind of saying what over and over again, I kind of short circuited a little bit. Um, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, I could not believe that I was being recognized this early in my career. I couldn't believe that I was, uh, again, another like dream coming true so much earlier than I ever thought it would. And my mom just being there like, I told you so, you have to listen to your mother. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, 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 it's it's wild still thinking about it. Honestly, I still haven't really accepted it. Like I'm very grateful for it and I'm aware that it's the truth of my reality. But every once in a while, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way. Uh, Cause it, it's, it's my dream and it's happened so fast and I'm just all t- trying to take it all in. And it's, it's difficult sometimes, but um. it's, it's really, really exciting. And I'm really, really grateful. It's just deeply, deeply overwhelming to think about when I try and like address it in its fullness. What are some of the ways that you stay grounded and take these things in fully? Incredible S's and, and joys. Therapy, (laughs) therapy (laughs) and, um, all my crystals and, uh, just, uh, I think I am still very passionate about being grounded and I still understand the importance of staying grounded, but um, I've been kind of living in the drift of it all, which has been kind of um, exciting. I've uh, been like allowing myself to just sit in an overwhelmed space and just realize that like, it's going to take, it it may take a little while for um, me to be less overwhelmed. And, um, as long as I relieve myself from the pressure of like being grounded and staying present and like uh, taking it for what it is, because I've uh, in the beginning of everything, the beginning of everything, in the beginning of all the success with Jagged, I put a lot of pressure on myself to like stay grounded and stay humble and stay, um, uh, uh, stay gracious and stay um, all of those things and stay centered and stay calm. Um, And yes, all those things are important to do, but um, I found that like in the pressure of me trying to stay grounded, I found myself robbing myself of a little bit of joy. And so I think trying to navigate both staying grounded and staying joyful, which are two things that can easily coexist. Just for me, I have to figure out in what ways do those things coexist? How do I stay grounded, but also realize that I have a, a, a incredible award nomination under my belt at the age of 20 for my Broadway debut as a black queer woman, as an artist, as an, like, how do I manage all that? And sometimes I'm like on cloud nine chilling, not really understanding what's going on, kind of disassociating, but like just 
making it through. And I think that's part of what's getting me grounded and centered. And it, it's just living in both of those spaces and knowing that like when the euphoria and when the bliss and when just the cotton candy clouds of it all sort of take over and when the work and being grounded and staying active and staying present and staying busy and staying in the conversation of the world, um, navigating both of those spaces is something that I'm working on. And some days are easier than others. And some days it feels real. Some days it doesn't. Uh, some days I'm on cloud nine. Other days I don't want to leave my room. It's, it's all a balancing act. Well, you've had this unprecedented thing happen in the history of Broadway, which is that in the middle of a lot of incredible momentum, everything came to a screeching halt. And I'm curious about how you've dealt with that, but also have there been any uh, unexpected benefits to having this pause button pressed uh, in the middle of of all this momentum? Yeah, uh, there are definitely some benefits. Uh, I think um, when I first got the announcement of the shutdown, when I first found out, I was like, okay, a cute little two week break. My voice is a little uh, sore. So I'm glad I get to have a moment to sort of like relieve the cords and, and, and take a break and sleep in a little bit more and sort of have a freer schedule than I was expecting. And then two weeks turned into two months and turned into half a year and we're almost rounding up a year. And um, the benefits definitely are the fact that I get to exhale and I get to uh, take a break and take a pause and um, sort of just reflect on who I am and where I am and where I wanna go and what I wanna do. Um, because I was pretty much living for Jagged for the past like four years, pretty much. And um, that was sort of like the thing that I was looking forward to. That was the light at the end of the tunnel. That was just like, whenever something unfortunate happened or whenever I received a bit of bad news, I was like, well, I still have Jagged coming. I still have this really, really awesome thing coming. I still have my Broadway debut coming. And um, now that I have passed that um, and I have sort of lived in the fresh joy of a Broadway debut and I had four months of a run and I sort of got into the swing of things right before the carpet was ripped up from under all of us. And yeah, I, having a moment to exhale, having a moment to sort of reflect and sort of being able to pick up my life where I sort of, I wouldn't say left it off, but like I get to fall back into my personhood and less of my actorhood, actordom, not really sure, just making up words at this point. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I am, yeah, I have time for therapy. I have time to uh, hang out with my friends when I could have, or when I probably had more time to, and cases weren't tripling by the day. Um, I have time to right. I have time to reflect. I have time to watch hours of television. Um, I have time to work on other projects. I, um, I just, I feel like I have a lot more time to do a lot more and really just realize who I am outside of a theater and off stage. And um, I'm realizing now that I didn't really 
take the time to do that because I was so excited to be on stage. Um, and now that I have been on stage and I've sort of acquainted myself with my, with that scheduling, it's now like, okay, cool. That's a part of my life. Let's now put the focus back on these aspects of my life that I've neglected for the past four years. Um, and so having an opportunity to sort of just look at another aspect of my life and another part of my life that I uh, tend not to look as well after as I would if I were doing eight shows a week because of just my youth and my excitement about it all. Um, but yeah, it's it's exciting and getting to see all of the things that I am and want to be and can be and um, have an opportunity to sort of build a path for. It's, it's, it's a benefit, I would say. I do miss my job, of course. I miss my cast, of course. I miss my stage, of course. But um, I know that I'll be back to it. So it's just finding things to fill the time between now and then. Um, that's what I am looking forward to. Are there any things that you imagine bringing back to the character of Frankie because you've had this pause? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The funny thing is that I found Frank, I found Frankie. Uh, I was, uh, I was introduced to Frankie when we were the same age. I was 17 and Frankie was 17. And so I was really sort of just trying to see what worked. Um, I wasn't really like a, a super in my blackness and my queerness. I was just figuring out a lot of stuff at the same point in which this character I'm playing is figuring out a lot of stuff. Uh, and so now that I'm older and I had an opportunity to like inform Frankie and Frankie has informed Celia with a lot of competence that I did not have previously. Um, and I've learned a lot more how to speak up for myself because of Frankie. And I'm excited to now, when Broadway was um, shut down, I continued that sort of journey of figuring out who I am and how I want to stand up for myself and how I want to sort of present myself to the world. Um, and I'm really excited to take the knowledge that I've accumulated over this break period and inform that with Frankie and not saying that Frankie's going to come back as this mature seasoned aged woman, as if I'm even remotely close to any of those adjectives. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to uh, give Frankie a little bit more depth and a little bit more nuance. And um, I'm excited to sort of rewind my, um, actor brain or rewind my clock and real and think back to what I was feeling like when I was 17 and I'm older than that now. And I've had an opportunity to take a huge step back from Frankie. And so I feel like those first few days in her shoes again, it's going to be fun to get reacquainted with like how a 17 year old black queer activist navigates a predominantly white, predominantly cis, predominantly het space. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's something I'm really looking forward to. It's, um, I'm excited for the challenge because I feel like there are going to be parts of me that are like not parts of Celia that may not agree with the young brained choices that Frankie makes, but um, I'm excited to sort of navigate all of that. I'm excited to see how you navigate it. <laughs> I, I had the good fortune of seeing the show twice back in December of 2019 and then just days before Broadway closed. And I, I saw so many different things in each viewing, both in, uh, I mean, the first time was just the thrill of, 
of seeing the show and seeing you. But then I was able to watch a little bit more objectively the second time. And the show does uh, touch on on a lot of really important timely issues. And, you know, you mentioned recently that, you know, Frankie, like you, is a Black queer activist. And, um, and I just wanted you to touch on the activism part, because one of the things that I'm really recognizing and appreciating about young actors uh, these days is that they are using their platform to elevate their voices on really important issues. And I'm just curious about how you see your platform as a responsibility, um, how Frankie might have informed uh, your own activism or anything that you want to share. Yeah. Um, I feel like playing Frankie and getting to know the type of person that she is, it really put a fire under my belly at a really young age. Um, because just, uh, just who I was when I found the show, although probably a lot of my friends will tell you that I'm very outspoken, very confident. Maybe they'll say that I'm not 100% sure. Um, they'll say that I like to speak up for myself and I do tend to fight for what I believe in. And I tend to fight for the rights of other people. And I tend to be an includer of all people, all of those really kind things. I realize now that I'm just gassing myself up, <laughs> but um, I think that just Frankie really put a fire under my belly to be more outspoken and less just like outspoken in my friend groups and outspoken with people that I trust, but more just like outspoken to people who I don't really know. Uh, I feel like just the process of doing a show eight times a week for a debut, at least, uh, really relieves you of, of um, feelings of pressure or feelings like you don't have a story to tell or feeling like no one's really listening to you, which is how I felt right before I started working on the show and right before I started going, right before the out-of-town tryout was the first moment where I was like, oh, people are actually really interested in what I have to say. Uh, yes, it's because they paid for it, um, but still I, I didn't really think that people cared about what I had to say. So I just was a, a more um, quiet person when I wasn't with like my small friend groups that I trusted and people who like know me. Um, and yeah, when Jagged started picking up and people started getting really, really interested in the show and in the characters and in the cast, I found that there was a, um, an opportunity for me to really just speak out on stuff that I'd been holding in for a little while um, and stuff that I've been like wanting to say, but like I've said in confidence to my small friend groups, but I've never like put it on social media uh, because I was just nervous as to like how I would be received or like what people will think of me or uh, what the industry will think of me. Like I always thought that if I said something controversial on Twitter, I was going to get blacklisted, um, which I realize now not the case, or at least I don't think. Um, but yeah, it really, uh, Frankie really informed me to be a, just a more outspoken person and use my platform no matter its size. Frankie, uh, is a true believer in the idea that one person can change the world if they just work hard enough. And um, 
Frankie doesn't really care that she has a smaller platform than Celia. Uh, if those two people can even compare themselves to one another, I do that all the time, actually. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that Frankie, she just fights for what's right. And I really admired that about her when I first started working about, working with the show and working with the character. So I just decided if I really like what this character does, I'm the person who's doing it. I'm the only person who's ever played Frankie. I'm the person instilling Frankie with this confidence along with the writing and directing and choreography and what I've been told to do. But um, a lot of what, everything that comes out of Frankie's mouth is a part of the writing that um, Diablo Cody did, who's absolutely brilliant. And also like a bit of my energy and my flavor and my whatever I contribute. and I just, something flipped and I just found a way to take all the things that Frankie taught me about activism and about speaking up for yourself and just being honest and truthful um, to a degree because Frankie's not the most honest creature. But um, yeah, just taking all that and sort of saying, if I can do all this in Frankie's world, how come, oh, I can do this in Celia's world too? Oh, oh, amazing. And um, yeah, that's sort of, how it all started. I, uh, thinking back to my high school self, I don't know if um, high school Celia would uh, recognize college Celia and um, just professional life Celia. And I think that I'm a lot more outspoken than, uh, actually I know for a fact that I'm a lot more outspoken now and I'm a lot more um, just I'm a lot more flat-footed now. I feel like I can, I'm can. i more likely to stand my ground. I'm more likely to uh, speak up for myself. I'm more likely to speak up for people who I may not um, see myself in, but people who I know have stories that are worth fighting for and are worth taking up space. And that, um, yeah, it's just, it's all about the balance of the two. I feel like balance, navigating spaces, all of those things is sort of just the, 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 um, energy of of my relationship with the show and my relationship with this character and how we grow together. You know, one of the things I was trained as a therapist uh, very many years ago. So I've worked as a therapist for 30 years and, uh, and then I became a playwright and a writer second. And one of the reasons was because I started to observe that something transformative can happen in the theater. And I saw it happen even just in seeing Jagged Little Pill from the first time to the second time where I was a little bit more aware and you can hear a kind of a collective gasp happen when people, characters on stage are saying something that you know we have all accepted uh, as truth for a long time. For example you know, the Me Too movement and consent is a theme that runs through the show. And, um, you know, there there are phrases that I grew up hearing, like, well, she shouldn't have worn that, or she shouldn't have gone there, or she shouldn't have drank this much. And that, that we now know are not accurate. And yet, uh, you can hear it in the theater when people are responding to like, no, that's, that's not okay to say that, to think that. And so I got to witness it as an audience member to see that the way the audience is responding has woken up, has evolved. And I'm wondering what that's been like on your side of the stage 
if there are certain things that you notice as you do the show that people are waking up about? Yeah, I think there are a few moments in the show where those are like those collective gasp moments. Um, I think for those of, uh, for, for the listeners at home who haven't seen the show, uh, spoiler alert, but um, there, uh, right before Wake Up, I feel like that scene with Nick, played by Derek Klenna, um, MJ, played by Elizabeth Stanley, and Frankie, me, uh, there's, in that scene, there's just, we talk about so much, and that's the moment where Frankie really cracks the world open, or at least she cracks her world open and connects her school life and activism life with her home life. And watching those two things intersect, I think that's a collective gasp moment. Um, I think in Forgiven, there are so many of those. In Predator, there are so many of those. Uh, I think in the show, (laughs) there are a bunch of collective gasp moments. But I think something that I would want the audience to take away after those sort of uh, high tension hairs on the back of your neck stand up kind of moments are that we need a lot more of those. I feel like we just need those moments for clear communication, clear receiving of uh, of the message and then just acting accordingly. Um, I think that there are many times where it's easy to be overwhelmed by everything that's happening in the storyline. And there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot that happens in the show, but it would be dishonest to say that it's not a mirror of what's happening in the world. Cause they're like, everything is connected. Everything has something to do with something else. And I feel like trying to separate all of these issues and treat them as their own separate things Yes, it's easier to digest, but I wouldn't say that it's a mirror of what's happening every day. So I think something that I would want the audience to walk away with as they've lived this, uh, they've lived in this uh, story with us and they've lived in these moments with us and um, we're all being stimulated and we're all um, receiving a lot of information that may be new for some, that may be old hat for others. But I think the message that I would want people to take away is that everything that we deal with is a lot more connected than we realize. And the moment we allow ourselves to see how things connect and to see how almost anything can really be absorbed and recognized and acknowledged through honest communication and through just clear, candid, I'm going to say it again, honest communication. I feel like that is what we want Mm. our show uh, to be about, about recognizing the nuance, recognizing the depth, um, accepting the fact that uh, a lot of these big issues are connected and and accepting the fact that we're not going to be able to just address all of them if we boil them down into these small things, like we have to see them for their grandness because that's how we properly address them if we see them in their fullness and if we see them for what they are instead of making it into this small one note kind of thing then we then we have the opportunity to really make the change that we desperately need in this in 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 this story and in the world yeah I agree and and so what would your wish be if 
you know, I do think that the theater has the capacity to change the world. That's one of the realizations that I've had over my life, that it has uh, it has the ability to heal people and it has the ability to change the world. And story does that. And so are there areas that you would hope uh, theater, when it's happening again, would address? I love theater. I'm just going to open with a positive. I love theater. I love what it has done for me. I love what it continues to do for me. However, I think Broadway itself just has a little bit more, well, actually a lot of bit more inclusion work to do. I feel like Hamilton took a really huge step of um, diversity on Broadway. Although that show has its uh, complications within itself. But yeah, I just think that Broadway has a little bit more work to do of including all different kinds of bodies. I think that cis, het, white stories have been really, really popular on Broadway because that's just what's been socially accepted in in, in, our, in, our, in our country um, or in art pretty much, or at least from what I've gathered on my very small amount of time on this earth. But yeah, I'm just really excited for Broadway to be the space that I always thought it was as a kid. And that was a space where anyone can go and see themselves and, and feel represented and feel celebrated. And now that I'm older, I'm realizing that Broadway is not that space for everyone. It's that space for small groups of people, but there are entire groups of people that just have not seen themselves on stage. And I just feel like now, or now is this, uh, is a moment and now is an opportunity for the big wigs of the Broadway and those who have power behind the table to, first of all, include other different looking bodies at the table, one, behind the table, casting, directing, producing, light, sound, makeup, hair. I just feel like there is a necessity for diversity of all kinds, just in general on um, in Broadway, because Broadway for me has always been a space where I can go to, to feel seen and to tell a story and to just make other people aware of the countless different lives that are lived in this country and in the world and and uh, just an opportunity for other people to see stories that don't remind them of their own. And I feel like there is just a, a well of storytelling and a big pot of stories that have just not been touched. What is one story that you would personally love to hear? I would love to watch a, I would love truly, truly love to watch a Black, queer, coming-of-age story on Broadway. I would love to see an original work. Uh, I would love for them to be no names that I've ever recognized before. I don't want to see, I would like just new, just fresh stuff. I would love for it to be original. I love jukebox musicals. I star in a jukebox musical. And the reason why I love my specific jukebox musical is because it's an original story. And I just would love to see more original, Black, queer, trans, non-binary, able, disabled, just new stuff. Because we've seen that once a group is represented, there is a 
just outpour of support when it is properly and accurately represented. Um, because Broadway has fallen off the wagon a few times. But yeah, I just think it, it's so clear that people will support stories in which they feel properly represented by. And once Broadway just sort of puts two and two together, I feel like it, it will continue to be an incredible, incredible space, but just for more people, because everyone should be able to see themselves on a stage. I feel like it's 2020. At some point, we're gonna have to be the change we want to see. So um, yeah, that's, that's just something I'm excited about. All right, so I know you like the planets and the stars and we have a full moon eclipse today, which means that any intentions that we set for the next six months we'll see come to fruition for those who believe in that. So mm -hmm. let's in just one line speak a powerful intention for what we wanna see in the world of Broadway. I see for Broadway, I see inclusion without ulterior motive for Broadway. I see honest, good-hearted inclusion and just a wider diversity of bodies in every way for Broadway, just for the sake of representing groups of people who have not been represented before that way. I love that inclusion without ulterior motive. And can you think of one line from one lyric from Jagged that has become a personal mantra for you? I recommend getting your heart trampled on to anyone. I absolutely uh, recommend getting your heart trampled on. That's how the song goes. Yep. Uh, just had to make to sure. Anyone? I the song, yeah. <laughs> That's the line. I recommend getting your heart trampled on to anyone because I truly for the sake of being candid, I absolutely recognize that this 2020 has been a year where my heart just got pummeled, truly just beaten down. Um, and I've had to learn how on earth am I going to put myself back together? And that is something that, although uncomfortable and although a little bit more painful than I'd like to recognize, is something that I think everyone has to go through at some point. You, you got to get your heart broken at least, at least once. I feel like this was a, a, a specific kind of heartbreak, but a necessary one and one that I am grateful that I've had at this point in my life and not any later um, because I now know what that kind of pain feels like, how to recognize the um, effects of that pain and also how to recognize when is enough, when sitting in the dark rooms with the blinds closed and the sad music on loop, when is the time for us to sort of just take a step out of that and start dusting my shoulders off and getting myself back together again. Um, and I'm grateful for that lesson that I've learned. I recommend it to anyone. I think that's a perfect line to end on. And uh, you talked about balance. And I think that that makes perfect sense that um, that there would be a balance of the pain and the joy that 2020 would bring some of your greatest successes and also some great challenges. Thank you so much for being with us. For anyone who wants to follow Celia, you can find her on all social media at Celia R. Gooding. 
And you can buy tickets for the Jagged Little Pill reunion concert, which will be on December 13th, 2020 on jaggedlittlepill.com. The When Is Now is co-hosted by Michelle Fiordaliso and Zora Alunga-Reed. It's produced in Los Angeles, California by Jack Zager. The next 21-day coaching program begins on January 11th. Use it to find your purpose in our changing world by signing up on thewhenisnow.com. You'll also find complete podcast show notes there. Thank you for listening. And remember, the when is now.